Welcome, everybody, to the That Kind of Nerd Podcast. I am CJ Mellon. I am Brian Thornton. And I am Josh Burns. Welcome to our show. All right, ladies and gents and fans and nerds alike, um, we're actually joined today with a special guest as well that wasn't in the, the introductions. We're dealing with our, our gaming nerd, uh, Jeff. Jeff, say hello to everybody. Hello, people of the internet. How are you? Uh, we decided to have another perspective come into the show to talk about Avengers, and I want to start off with one crucial point. If you have not seen Avengers Age of Ultron, stop listening now. We're not going to hold back at all. We're just going to spoil the entire freaking movie for you if you haven't seen it. So you have five seconds to turn off our podcast, go watch the movie, and come on back. Uh, if you're listening to this in the future, uh, we hope that you enjoy our uh, thoughts and ideas on the movie and uh, want to see if our, our stuff still holds up. So you have your disclaimer, and if you're staying past this point, well, you're screwed. Enjoy. So let's first do this. I want to get everyone's first impressions of this movie, and, and, and I'm talking when you walked out of it, and maybe now because we've had a few days to kind of ruminate on it. Everyone's seen it at, at different points. Uh, we all didn't get to see the movie together, so this is the first time we've ever talked about the movie with each other. Um, so I want to lead off with Josh. I want to hear your impressions as you walked out of the theater, and I also want to know if you went to a late showing or not. Uh, no, uh, mind, mind blown uh, is pro- probably how I should say it. Um, Christian's mind was blown. So Christian convinced his mother that it wouldn't be too scary and that he should be allowed to go with me. So we went at 9.45 in the morning Boo. on Saturday. Boo. As it should be, so, sir. So happy about it. <laughs> I was so excited for the fact that you were going to go to a midnight showing. And Three then- people in the movie theater. <laughs> one of them is texting. The other one is screaming at the movie screen. Josh Burns at the movies. <laughs> so what did you think, Josh? You said mind blown. Mind I mean- blown. Look, I thought uh, that it was... Very well written. I thought that it was just dark enough. I thought that the sort of the inner conflict rises to the surface a bit. And um, it's funny. There's a there's a parallel storyline where there seemed to be a lot more damage, and we I think we're seeing a lot more of that in uh, in in comic book movies now. There's they're just they're jacking up entire cities. So I, I thought that that they're probably gonna have to answer for that at some point. So you're, had, had your son seen the other movies of Avengers? Yeah, or he saw, has he, he seen saw, those animated cartoons? He's, no, he saw the first one, and then obviously he's seen the cartoon. Um, so if we're if – he, like he sees the – He followed. Did he follow? Yeah, he followed. He sees Vision. He's like, it's Vision. And I'm like, who the hell's Vision? <laughs> what? That sounds like, like all the friends that I went to see it with. Yeah, and, and, uh, who, uh, who's Vision? And he's like, Daddy, it's from the comic book. Oh, all right, dude. I just don't know who the hell Vision is and why he's. But I said, but that's an Infinity Stone right there. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's an Infinity Stone, <laughs> right there. That's an Infinity Stone in his in his face. <laughs> School. I know things too. So yeah. all right, good. I, I'm 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 sad to see you didn't go to midnight showing. And uh, had I made the bet like Pacquiao Mayweather, I would have lost. Um, <laughs> so dating this podcast even more. Um, all right, so Jeff, newcomer Jeff. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective uh, on, on this too. But before I do that, I'd just love if you could, just a real quick one minute, I'm putting you on the spot, kind of nerdography <laughs> about yourself and just why you are you know, a part of the that kind of nerd team. So just give a little rundown of what makes you nerdy. 
Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, my name is Jeff Thomas. Um, I've been a nerd since I was like three years old when my cousin introduced me to magic and comic books and all that cool stuff. Um, and then ever since, I've had a really big passion for gaming, everything like that, you know, all throughout growing up, NES through all the, the first gen into next gen, um, and PC gaming eventually. Um, I played on the competitive circuit a little bit and got away from that because I actually had to do college and jobs and stuff, but um, never lost the passion for it. And uh, yeah, I got invited by you guys to do, um, you know, gaming and uh, jump on some of these podcasts, and I, I couldn't pass up an opportunity to talk nerd. And have a, uh, you know, nerdgasms over the mic. <laughs> and as an aside, uh, CJ, Jeff Jeff and I worked together uh, for a couple years, like indirectly mm-hmm. and then directly for about a year. Uh, and Jeff was the dude that, like, he'd be like a traveling project team member. And when he'd come into your store, you were just, you were amped up to talk to the guy. Like, the first time I met him, <laughs> he's wearing a, he's he had the same hat all the time. He had this strong, bad hat on. He wear the strong bad hat backwards. <laughs> Still have it. And the first, like the first time I met him, uh, I believe neither of us were very productive for about an hour because we just talked about strong bad for a solid yeah. hour. So, I like, would, I knew I, I was going to hit it off with this dude. I want to do a podcast and just ask stuff. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, a Homestar Runner podcast. Yeah. Rock. And the same thing. I worked with Jeff as well, and I was kind of walking around. I was just trying to figure out who the hell can I like bond with? Who can I talk to? It popped into Jeff, and he got all nerdy. He was like, great. And then he has a theater passion as well. I was like, we're theater friends. Yay. We were this, fast friends. This is going to be good. Um, so th- th- thanks for coming on for, for this, Jeff, and thanks Absolutely. for joining the site. So now that you've kind of told us why you're crazy nerdy, um, first thought on Avengers. What was your mind like when you walked out of the theater? Well, um, like I said, I do have a you know comics background too, not as extensive as I'd like it to be, but um, I had read AU or the actual Age of Ultron uh, comic graphic novel kind of thing. Not when it first came out, but then later on when I heard the movie was coming. And um, I don't know. I, I love the movie wholeheartedly, and I thought it appealed to – Every every type of person, because like I said, I went to see it with my friends, and they're not huge into comic books or anything, so they were having a good time with it. My one buddy Matt never saw like any of the, I guess it was Phase Two movies, but just saw the Last Avengers. So he walked into it with no concept of anything that happened through like the Winter Soldier or anything like that. But he was following it and relating to the characters and kind of bouncing off what you know Josh was saying. The impact of of these events is being seen a lot more, not just in the cities or the the scape of of the destruction, but um, also in the actual characters themselves. And uh, you start to see, like, the heroes not being able to do, um, you know, everything by themselves. You know, you saw that in Avengers 1, but um, you see a lot of the flaws, which I think is a beautiful thing with um, with Joss's, you know, the whole Marvel universe right now. Um, but I was floored by it. It was very good. And, and I went with uh, my wife and I went with a, a couple of my, my in-laws and th- my in-laws aren't huge comic book fans and they've seen the, the movies with us. But they're the people who every time we get in the car after the movie, like, can you explain to me what the hell went on? I'm like, yeah, let me just synopsize this movie that I can't even wrap my whole head around because I came out so freaking pumped and so excited. It was so good. I was watching the movie and we have talked about the Daredevil series on Netflix and when I watched in that movie, there was actually a trailer for the Netflix series of Daredevil. And people around me were like, oh, I haven't watched that yet. And I'm just like, um, yeah, that's probably the best thing that Marvel has ever done. 
Uh, hands down, it's probably the best endeavor that they've ever had. And then I left that movie going, well, there goes that notion. Uh, Ultron just whooped that ass. Like, that was incredible. Um, so I was just floored by the scale. I was so uh, excited with the acting and the production value. It's just through the roof, you know, Disney and Marvel going bananas on this. So I was so floored. Um, so I, I just I, I was at a loss for words. And when people are asking me, could you just summarize the movie? I'm like, no, go see it your damn self. It's so good. James Spader is one of these one of oh these voices, one of these guys that you don't you don't need to. to there's not many people who could voice a robot. Let, no. Let's say that. And I get he's artificial intelligence, but you can hear the facial expression yep. when he speaks. And he's he's yep. just I thought he was brilliant. I love James Spader. Pretty much everything he does, starting from uh, he and Robert Downey Jr. acted together in Less Than Zero in like the early '80s, and that was a great movie. But he was amazing in this, and and we, I want to I want to get into his performance uh, later because I think it's a huge piece of this and why this movie is so successful. But Brian, Brian, comic book Brian, <laughs> yes, I also CJ. know some of the crowds of movie people that you go with, and I also know that you were not with these said people for this movie. No, so I was not. I know that you are now fully able to enjoy a movie the way that you have always intended it to be. Um, so how the hell was it as you going to this movie and seeing what you've seen? Um, so of course I go last because I could go on for an hour by myself about this <laughs> to bring you in. That's why you do the video. I'm going to try to keep it short. I, I loved this movie in every facet of the word. Um, and we'll kind of delve into all the different reasons. James Spader being one of the top reasons why I love this movie so much and his performance and a lot of the, the story groundwork that like not only had an effect on the movie itself, but had an effect on the future of the Marvel Universe movies. Um, I was so excited and I thought it was fantastic. Honestly, it, it just I th- I want to say it was better than the first Avengers. And I know some other people are like, eh, you know, it wasn't. I don't think they're seeing some of the things that I'm seeing that is being laid laid as far as the groundwork goes and some of the really cool character developments that happened in such a short time for all of those characters. I I was floored. I loved it. And that's something I I, am so glad you said that. That's actually something I want to uh, bring up. And this is the first topic of conversation. Uh, One of the quotes in the the movie is that once their their shield files get taken from them, uh, Black Widow looks around and says, you know, now I think Ultron knows more about us than, than we've even let each other know. And that was kind of the general impression I had with this movie was um, we've we spent a lot of time with these characters. They've had their own movies. They've had their own time to shine. Um, and yet we still don't know who they really are. Some things are still hidden from us. And the first thing I really want to talk about is the relationship that it was had between um, the Hulk and Black Widow. Um, so, did Josh, did you see that all fleshed out? Did you see that as something that was forced upon, or did you think it was, it was well done? No, I thought it was something that was coming since she first recruited him. Um, it seemed like there was something there. She, he's, he's very flawed in a way that he can absolutely not control, and she's very flawed in a way that was put upon her, and she can't control. Um, I think that his... His always needing to avoid a situation and 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 her sort of avoiding things because that's her personality. They they seemed like a natural match, and uh, I thought it was really cool. Um, and I thought it, it was natural, uh, not forced upon. And I was a little disappointed um, with the way it ended uh, and sort of Bruce completely detaching. I was a little. 
I feel I feel sad for the dude is basically and, and so the movie did its job. Well, yeah. Well, you're supposed to feel sad. Um, Don't tell me how to live I mean, my honestly, life, Brian. Honestly, no, no, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. But th- th- this relationship is something that, and I-, I may be wrong, but it's never been in the comic books or, or anything else that I know of. Uh, so me as a fan, when I, when I, and you can see it coming. You've seen exactly like you said. I mean, you see that kind of spark between them even in the first Avengers, and you're like, this this isn't canon. And as a comic book fan, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. And it, it works. It works really well because they're both outsiders for different reasons. Um, she And they're both kind of forced into these awful situations that kind of cause them to be outsiders and to be distant from everybody on the team. Um, so I think it, it works. It, it makes sense. And the fact that he does the, the hero thing. I mean, he does the thing that nobody else can do. He distances himself from her to protect her. Because he, he can't... Same thing he did with Betsy Ross. Because... He can flip a switch one day, go Hulk out, and accidentally kill her and, and not know that he did And that's the thing, so. too. I think you saw his control when he was just like, is this a code green affair? Do I need, I need to come in? Like, he's more... Oh, right. He doesn't want to do it. He, he's very much like, I was surprised that we had to call on the Hulk. And, he doesn't want to... He's a last resort. And yeah, when it comes to the relationship stat... Go ahead, go ahead. He's not... He, like, he, he doesn't have this... Uh, he's, he's detached from everything. What he is is very compartmentalized. And he has... Right. A personal relationship with Tony Stark and a personal relationship with Cap and a personal relationship with Thor, and they don't See, ever intersect. And and but this is and this is the the part that that brought me to this was that quote that you know now Ultron knows more about them than each other and and I, I disagree with you, Josh. I think he only really has a relation a real relationship. A, a who knows with Black Widow and a little bit of Stark, but with Stark it's all just about nerding out and being technology. It's not about hey how are you controlling your rage because in the first movie he's literally poking him with a cattle prod trying to get him yeah. to Hulk out. It's it's, it's a more very of like perf- a Frankenstein yeah thing. <laughs> to Tony. Stark. It's more of a professional relationship than a, a real a real connection. And what I was afraid about with this was, um, oh god, here's just a forced relationship that we're going to put on for the girls in the movie who haven't seen enough, you know, Thor with his shirt off and need something to to kind of uh, to kind of guide them through. Um, sort of bouncing off that, like um, you mentioned, Betsy Ross, or you know, I, I don't really know. I know Thunderbolt Ross and all that whole storyline from the comics, and um, you know, in some of the other situations that the Hulk's a part of. But like, I think them choosing to go away, you know, obviously, what was it? Was it Jennifer Connelly going away from that whole like sappy kind of like she's the only one kind of thing, but making it a strong female character that we like all know and we all have seen kick butt, but also like be able to calm the guy who's huge, massive is kicking everyone's butt half the time. That that was the part of the, the movie that I thought was the most forced was don't tell me the Hulk has pressure points. Just stop. <laughs> oh, is that what that was? Yeah, it was. was, it, it, was like this, it was a palm pressure I thought point. It was just, I thought it was just let me touch you. It's let me be. No, let me be no, human. no, no, let no, no, be. no. If you watch, she does this very specific. Yeah, she does a very specific pressure <laughs> yeah, point acupuncturish thing, thing. And I went, I went, no, no, no. not sold at all. I well, and you know what though? To me and and Jeff, I correct me if I'm wrong too, because you said it didn't read like pressure points to me when I saw. No, it I thought of it as like the chimpanzee kind of thing. They they yeah. put their hand out for like affirmation, and then it's like no, okay, that's wait. it's not affirmation. No, you, it's, it's supplication. It's supplication you, with a chimp. You may be absolutely right. 
in in the sense that it could have been pressure points. Here's and the three not, of us didn't see uh, that. Not just so. Here's what I saw. She does the same thing. She says the sun's getting kind of low, which to me sounds like an an auditory trigger for some sort of hypnosis, followed by a touch trigger that automatically triggers his unhulking. Basically, um, I don't I don't know the comic book word for that, Brian. So I don't I'm not, I don't whatever um, <laughs> unhulking works, but dehulkifying it's, whatever you want. It's this. Um, it reminded me of. You know, anytime you've seen a, a any story about a mentalist or any of that, where they have an auditory trigger followed by a physical trigger, and that has absolutely everything to do with certain pressure points or, or whatever, um, and I just don't buy that that works on the Hulk. So this is this is how I read it, and and this is this is the, the thought process I put into it, and I put way too much into it, by the way, was that. Um, Banner had said, "Listen, like the only person that should really come near me during this time is with because here's what happens: after he goes crazy and he smashes and he goes through bunkers, goes through buildings, he then retreats away to an area without civilians. He goes somewhere isolated and he starts smashing anything that he kind of can. He just kind of throws his little tantrum. It's a point again where we see another side to a character. We discover something where Banner has in his own subconscious brain because he does tinker around there while he while he's the other." guys he says he is aware of kind of what's happening a little bit just a little little bit and he goes i know i need to i know i'm done the mission's complete i need to get away from people so i don't hurt anybody and i need to go do something and he's probably worked at this routine with widow because out of everyone in that entire crew once a mission is kind of complete with the hulk she's the only one that could slide away and if some bad guy came through they used to have everyone with superpowers all the way over there to go get the Hulk and, and and calm him down. So they probably worked at a routine to do this. So I saw this as you're the only person who can come because you're not mission critical. Uh, let's set up an – just like you said, just like a hypnosis deal because he did study meditation and did study all these things. Let's go ahead and, and do that. Um, so you know, it's, it's one of those things where he has worked this out with her and what started off as a professional, here's how I unhulk. You know, it turned kind of into a relationship. Yeah, well, it's the it's the same thing with with Betsy in Incredible. Well, let's just say the Incredible Hulk, and in the whole comics, like she's one of the very few people who can just stand in front of this hulking monster and he'll stop and he'll just look at her and be like, "Okay, I need to calm down now." And Black Widow has the same effect. I, I mean, I, I agree with CJ. I, I read it as okay, we set this up. In between the first movie and now, we've set this up and kind of practiced this, practiced this over and over again because there was that connection between him and Black Widow that she's the only one that can calm him down. I don't think though it was intentional in the fact that they were, were that they've had a romantic relationship. I think it really was strictly professional. They they make a very big point of pointing out that everybody sees it. Yeah, Cap says it right at the bar. He's just like, so you know, when are you gonna do something about that? He's like, we're, we're just friends. But, uh, but we haven't. It's like when you talk to me at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm peacocking. <laughs> this is really this is the epitome of peacocking with, with the pickup artist. It's turned into the Hulk. Jeff, you you I you had an interesting point. I think you were talking to to Brian. Uh, that instead of the Avengers banishing him, he kind of banishes right. himself. 
Yeah, because in the comics, there's this whole side, uh, you know, and a lot of comic fans, I don't know if you were going to think anything like this was going to happen in the movie, Brian, but I know I was I was thinking maybe they're going for this World War Hulk style, Planet Hulk style thing, because especially after I saw the you know trailer and he had like the red in his eyes and he almost mm-hmm. comes to this Red Hulk moment, which I was like kind of nerdgasming over in my brain, but then I was like, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to make that work. But um, in like the World War Hulk and Planet Hulk storyline, the Avengers actually grew together and they're like we gotta get Banner off of Earth and get rid of him because he's like a complete he basically hides out and then there's no there's no way to control him anymore you know Betsy doesn't work you know all the other things that they've put in place don't work and uh, if I correct me if I'm wrong but is that when Hulkbuster actually gets made like when Iron Man actually uses that for one of the first times Hulkbuster's been around for a long long time in the comic books it's just collects dust in, in Tony's in Tony's uh, armory for a long <laughs> <Squadron>. time. <laughs> he, just whenever, like, oh, okay, well, I'll bust this out. Hulk's freaking out again. But that's that's a really good point, is that in the comic books, it gets to a point where the other heroes decide we can't have to quell this rage every time he has a tamper tantrum. We need to get him away from people, and they send him to another planet. Um, so you, do you think this is something that they're they're borrowing from in, in the inspiration idea of we need to see the Hulk get separated? Yeah, I think so, because uh, but I love the way they did it with him doing it, because it's showing that even as the Hulk, they're giving him more of like a sanity, yeah. uh, you know, inside of that persona of the giant hulking monster. They're keeping a, that banner instinct um, a little bit more than, you know, some some aspects of the comic did um but yeah i think that was a great way to do it so that was the the point of the relationship that you know again that we talked about and i so this is the theme i kind of want to go on um i i learned more about some of these characters in this movie than i did their own individual movies um and this is another thing that i kind of noticed afterwards was um they did a little like kind of so they kind of wet our appetite for Civil War because they literally had shots fired between uh, Cap and, and Stark. And um, when my wife and I were leaving and they were talking about one aspect of the movie, I was very interested in this. Jarvis versus Ultron in the digital forms. Um, I, I, I didn't know that they were going to do this at all. And I was like, OK, once it started happening, I was like, how the hell am I supposed to care about two computer programs fighting this out? Yeah, and how Brian, do you show why- this? Why? I mean, why? Why combine Jarvis with, and, and make Jarvis the voice and, and framework for Vision? Why do that? Like Christian couldn't tell me why. I I don't think I, I think it lends a lot easier to the story that they were building since Iron Man One. I don't think they intended this when we cast Paul Bettany to be the voice of Jarvis that we're going to have him be Vision one day. But it works. It, it he. Us as viewers, I mean, I don't know about you, but me, throughout three Iron Man movies and an Avengers movie, have already grown attached mm-hmm. to Jarvis, yeah. just as a, mm-hmm. even as a character. I love Jarvis. I don't want Jarvis to be Vision. I want Jarvis. Well, he does say he's not Jarvis. He's, he's you know, not. He does, yeah. he does he's reference not, that. But he's Jarvis, like, but Jarvis is dead, right? Jarvis has moved on. So, he, and, and this is actually the reason why, and, and I, want, I want to get to this. Um, the thing that I thought with this is people who don't know who the hell Vision is – Right, I'm just like okay. We know Vision's coming. 
are we going to have this huge setup of vision? Like, how the hell do you quickly attach yourself to someone like this? And the only way you can do it is kind of using a similar person or character. Not the not their, their entire humanity, but you need to quickly buy into it. So the moment where they're playing with the hammer, right? They're having the drinking game of basically mm-hmm. who can pick up the hammer. Um, <laughs> we're laughing at that. And then um, we're just like, okay, that was really funny. But then my wife was like, you know, that, that the fact that that came back meant something to me. Yeah. When Vision just picks it up. And hands it to Thor, I instantly knew he was a good guy because when she, mm-hmm. my wife first saw him or, or, or heard about what the hell was happening, I was like, Vision. Well, she goes, is this a good guy or a bad guy? Wait, you have and to – that's not, that's not necessary. Okay, so – Hold on. No, let, me, let me complete the track. Let me complete okay. the track here for you. Okay. So she was like, is this a good guy or a bad guy? And I was like, you'll see. Just, you'll see because it's, it's kind of not. You'll see. And when they did that – she goes, oh, I, I know who this guy is now. I like him. It made an attachment to movie fans and not comic book fans and not nerdy fans to say this is a good guy. You should pay attention to him. This is someone that you should know. That's why I think they had to use Jarvis's voice. They had to build a relationship it's an on him. connection that, that, that you have with him. Maybe. Uh, but there's two things that, that it did for me. Number one is just pointed out that you have to be powerful enough to wield an infinity stone, which probably means he could he could pick up Mjolnir with really little to no effort. Um, it'd it'd be like it'd be like you get you know Ronan the the accuser could probably pick it up too. It's, it's whatever. But and and I don't care if I'm violating your sensibilities, Brian. <laughs> I'm saying at some point you're wrong. I I no, <laughs> I, I, Brian I, I, think, I don't think I am. <laughs> I think at some point it's it just can't be about righteousness, and because I don't think. That vision is righteous. Did he remi- you know? What he reminds me of is is like the iRobot characters. Um, and Sunny and yeah, Sunny and uh, I. I think that there's gonna come a time, uh, you know, in the next the next time we see him, when there's an absolute right and an absolute wrong as far as humans are concerned, and he's gonna go. Yeah, I really don't care that much. Um, and you know, he's gonna, you know, basically walk off because. It's gonna at some point Thanos is gonna have to take his head off to get that stone. So so hold on, we 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 transition to a different point. So I want to I want to see where we're at. Are, so are you not happy with the fact that they used Paul Bentley to do Vision? Do you think that it was a stretch and that they should have gotten somebody no, else? I mean, I, I think that Paul Bettany is the voice of Jarvis, but Jarvis doesn't have a face, so it didn't have to be Paul Bettany, which means it didn't have to be Jarvis's voice because. Jarvis is Jarvis. He's not Vision, and they shouldn't cross. So the the question I have is, how do you tell the audience that this is someone that you should actually have affection, that someone that you should actually care about, if you don't use something familiar? You want to build it up that quickly? Make it. I don't think you could introduce an. I don't think you could introduce a new character with with that quickly. Yeah, no, I don't know. Make it, make it, make it Haley Joel Osment, Will Smith. Make it a funny, a, a face that we all love. I don't know, dude. I just think that. To make it Jarvis's consciousness is stupid, but it's not Jarvis's full consciousness. Uh, He's not Jarvis. I think that's the that's he may not be Jarvis, but at the core, his programming absolutely is, and he is not a he. He's an it. So he's the Mind Stone. He's not Jarvis. I'm chewing my computer here, so I need to say a couple things to unleash that whole thing. which starts which starts with Josh you're wrong. Don't hey, don't, hey so, listen, don't bring comic <laughs> don't bring your comic book bullshit up in here cuz no, I'm going to smash it. I'm to, not going to. I'm going to smash I'm it. Go, to bits. I'm going to use nothing nothing but movie logic from what from what they set up in the movie. So, they make a very big scene and we all laugh at that scene 
where they're all trying to pick up the hammer because in Thor, we've already set up that only he who is worthy can pick up that hammer. Uh And if you notice, if you need to watch it again or you need to, the scenes on YouTube, I'm pretty sure, Iron Man tries it, Hawkeye tries it, none of them can do it. But the Cap, Captain America, it nudges just a little bit. And you see (laughs) Thor's face go to this holy shit moment. Like, oh my God, he's about to pick up. It's funny. Because out of all... Yeah, out of everybody on Earth, Captain's, Captain America is probably the most pure and the most worthy out of all of them. When we're talking about Vision, Vision is is uh, a amalgamation of, of Jarvis's consciousness and uh, a human consciousness, pretty much. He's a, he's an android, and originally, and uh, in the comic book, it's very much kind of he's, the same. No, he's, he's an amalgamation of that Jarvis and an Infinity Stone. Well, the Infinity Stone is initially what is used to catalyze and power him. If you remove that Vin- Infinity Stone, he's not no longer Jarvis. Let he me throw. Let me throw before you finish have your that thought. Infinity I'm going to throw one other thing at you. The fact that Thor supercharged him couldn't that have imparted some piece of Thor in there as well, and that's why he can pick up the goddamn thing. I mean, maybe, but I think the reason Thor supercharged him. No, no, here, here's the thing. You have to put it in perspective. The reason Thor supercharged him was because he went back in that pool, saw this vision of the, the Infinity Stones pool, yeah. in the reflection pool, mm-hmm. and came out of that thinking that this was the right move because of, of the Infinity Stone being involved. Now, Vision, who is initially in, in the movie and in the comic book, created by Ultron, he's supposed to be... Ultron's new vessel and and something that Ultron can use to destroy the world, you're immediately thinking, I don't know about this guy because he was created by Ultron. Right, just like in the the movie. the only way, the only way to build that trust, and they made such a big deal about this hammer, he's a day old, he doesn't have a dark side. This entire movie is based around everybody's got a dark side. Even Captain America has a dark side. Like, we we are pitting ourselves against each other because Ultron has kind of put our, our skeletons to light. And he's the only one that doesn't have that. Hence, the only other person who can lift that hammer. So I, I want to get down to the crux of this argument. And, and I want to I get an answer from each of you on this. Do you see Vision as a, a foundation of Jarvis and then a layer of Ultron or some other consciousness? Or do you see him as something different? Let's start with Jeff. Do you, how, do you, how do you see Vision? Well, I, <clears throat> I'm thinking he's something entirely different, but like with, uh, I guess some basic blocks of Jarvis, but I mean, the, the fact, and like he, he even says it, like I mentioned earlier, he even says it, it, he may sound like Jarvis, but he isn't, he's his own, he's his own thing. And he, as soon as you hear him say like, I, you realize that he's his own, his own thing. But, um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a bad thing, Josh. I don't think it, it doesn't make sense. And I, I think uh, those guys are right. You know, CJ and Brian, when they say that it's it happened almost, you know, maybe in like a 15 minute to 20 minute section of the movie. Right. So how are they going to tie it back into all the other stuff we already know? And that that was, I think, a very, very wise way to do it in, in the writer in the writer's mind. And I thought it worked. I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to dive deep into like comic history, but like. I don't know. It's just sort of like how I imagine Vision sounding, too. <laughs> I so mean, so yeah. here's the thing that I had, and, and this is how I viewed him. It's kind of like uploading a file onto something and then having it stop right in the middle. And mm-hmm. all you get is some of the basic 
stuff installed. So what I just saw is that basically – God, this is going to go super nerdy. I saw the driver of Jarvis's <laughs> voice go into go into Ultron. Then we stopped. Then we got a bunch of Ultron stuff in there. Then we stopped. Uh, and then we he got his own humanity because Thor just supercharged the process. He said, fuck it. There's no source. Make it up. Supercharge the, the SOB. So I saw him as a layer of Jarvis for the voice, uh, Ultron for the sake of knowing and the knowledge that Ultron has, and then something different that you can't quantify, which is why he was able to pick up that that hammer. That's what I that's what I thought. What about you, Brian? I he's he's an evolution of Jarvis. He is he's definitely got Jarvis in him. He's definitely got the basic building blocks of Jarvis, but. He, I mean, in, in this movie, he's probably more Jarvis than anything, but as these movies go on, and if he, they use him in other things, he's going to evolve. He's learning. He, he's growing to, you know, like the human race and, and you know, all of its little quirks, and he's going to adopt some of those personalities as well. He's his own being. So, I mean, there's a little bit of Jarvis in there, but he's his own thing. And, Josh, I want you to clarify your understanding of, of vision from this film. He I want, is, I want you to make it clear for us. So, I, I don't think I don't think he's Jarvis. I don't understand why if he's not Jarvis then Tony couldn't still use Jarvis. That 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 was a problem for me. Uh secondly, he is not at all human. Uh and you're right, he doesn't have a dark side. He he's never done anything good either. He is the most neutral person that we have. Right. Okay. Yes. He's a blank slate. He is, That's the point. No, it's oh, okay, but that doesn't mean let, that let doesn't finish, mean it doesn't mean he's in any way worthy. All that we know is that he's incredibly powerful. He's been supercharged by Thor, which maybe makes him part Asgardian. I don't know, but he certainly isn't human. A. B. We know he's not Jarvis. Where did Jarvis go then? I, I have a problem with that. Uh, and then, in the end. He's talking to Ultron, and he's like, yeah, maybe they'll die, maybe they won't, I really don't care. He's the he's completely neutral. He's emotionless. Not worthy, not unworthy, but powerful. So this seems to be a point for everybody who, who has seen the movie, is we only got a very short time of Vision, and we only got to see him do what was self-serving to Vision's agenda at that point. Right. Because he he's not he's not beholden, just like he says, and Jeff, you, you said this a million times, he's not beholden to the Avengers' agenda. He's not beholden to Ultron's uh, agenda. He's beholden to, at this point, He's life. the preservation of life, life. and he, he doesn't he doesn't side with humanity just because of them. You know, like he sees yes. that they're inherently flawed, um, which is beautiful. And Josh, I totally agree. One day he's going to get in a situation to be like, um, no, you what got, I no, don't I'm not want, doing this humanity. Track. What I don't want is for anyone to draw a parallel to Superman. He is not the savior of humanity. He is not right. He is the 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 embodiment of evolution, and with yeah. evolution. Something must die, and any of us who are fans of X-Men, especially uh, sort of some of Magneto's theories, it's usually the weaker humans that die. So so, so here's what I want from our fans, and, and we've been over this a million times before. 
Um, we want you to give us some comments, give us some of your feedback and your interpretation of Vision and how you think he could kind of go into this this role and how he could fit into this universe. So we'll we'll hear from our fans and we'll, we'll read some of this next week. But I want to move on to some other things uh, based off the Avengers movie. Uh, and, and thank you for anyone who's still with us. <laughs> I appreciate you sticking around and going on this because I want to talk about James Spader's performance. And before Josh just goes completely nerdgasm on me here, um, <laughs> I, I, want, I want to stop for a minute and I want to help direct you with something. Take the four weeks out of your life and as we talked about, go binge watch NBC's The Blacklist. It looks like one of those shows where you'd be like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Just from the trailers. It looks so dumb. It's so good. And you really get to see James Spader shine uh, so well in it. But what I loved about James Spader in Ultron was just the way that he performed. Josh, you're so right. You got every little nuance and emotion out of his voice. But my favorite thing was some of the the one-offs and some of the crazy things that he he said. My favorite thing is there um Hulk jumps when the island's like collapsing. Hulk jumps into this plane and off camera, you just hear, "Oh, come on." Not and it just gets thrown out. I was laughing so many times at this villain where I'm like, "You want to blow up. You want to kill all humanity. You want to you want to make me my family extinct i should hate you so much to your core but i find you so funny and fascinating i feel bad watching you be destroyed and it's one of those things where and i have to and i have to call uh, back to thanks to brian for making me listen to fat man on batman where they're digging on daredevil uh this is one of the few marvel villains where i think they get it right because it's not a melodrama. It's not bad for the sake of being bad. And it's not being good for the sake of being good. And Brian, this is so what you said too. We're seeing two sides to every single character in this movie. We're seeing good sides and bad sides. And the fact that I could see a good side in Ultron, that's weird to me. I did not expect that to, to come. So what did we think about James Spader's performance as as Ultron? Um, Brian, you look like you're uh, Brian, you look like you're gonna jump out of the chair. I'll let you go first. I I'll go. Okay, so I don't watch the blacklist. Sorry, guys. Um, I will eventually. Nobody I, does, I, just I, me. Do I watch no, it? No, I do. I, I do it. enjoy James Spader in general. Here's the thing: I loved his performance. And he he's the only person who's got that like metallic-y kind of. They didn't. They, it doesn't sound like they screwed around with his they, voice too they much did. No. Yeah, with any did. sort of soundboard or anything. Yeah, but they, but not as did. much as as you could have with other people. Right, and, and he's got that kind of metallic-y quality to his voice already, and he kind of plays on that. Here's what I love a lot about his performance. I went into this movie, and my dad, actually, because I, I I'm down here visiting my parents. I was actually able to go see it with my father, who was really worried that this was going to be really dark. And the, the dark and gritty like universe that uh, you know Marvel is, is going to start making everything dark and gritty with this movie. And... The main problem with was I was worried that Ultron was going to be too dark and that it was going to be almost like I don't I don't I feel uncomfortable watching this almost and James Spader performance made that so much better and um he's got like a little bit of Tony Stark in him yeah all those little kind of quirks and, and and little jokes that he says he does he does that because he was programmed by Tony he's got a little bit of the Tony personality in him and what I love most about it is when he catches himself doing it and then he just hates himself for it and he mm -hmm. and it happens oh, yeah. on, on the on the ship where he takes out the guy who will be claw in Black Panther he takes off his arm when he's like hey Tony Stark said that to me once he flips the f out he hates that part about him because he, he sees Tony as weak. He hates him the most out of all the Avengers. They've said it multiple times. 
Um, his performance was amazing, and uh, I, I was extremely impressed and, and pleased that they didn't make him too dark. They gave him that humor that you kind of like about Loki in the first one. Um, that makes you, you know, kind of think, yeah, you know what? They did this right, finally. They're reserving dark for Thanos. <laughs> but even he is funny. He's seen in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he's still got that uh, little tongue-in-cheek yeah, humor I mean, to him. Josh Brolin's going to do an amazing thing with that, I think. But I, I, for James Spader, his voice is very, uh, for me, it's this very calm, soothing, smoky, it's just, a scotch and cigar yes, to the yes. max. He's, he's got this. <laughs> Which fits you perfectly. It really does. He's got just got this very, he's just the definition of cool to me. And I am a fan of the blacklist. So, um, you know, Red Reddington is just, is just the coolest dude you'd ever meet. Uh, and you can't help but feel some of that uh, James Spader actor public persona really, you know, imparted into this role and i do think that he's sort of um very akin to robert downey jr in 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 real life um so it made sense to me the casting i think that they have i know they have a long history um in life so it made sense that they would have a good back and forth um spader is absolutely you know just completely demonstrative in his in his voice and his inflection and the way he uses um it's just the way he uses his voice to express an idea without any you never have to see him like you were saying cj and uh i i laughed several times um out loud and i was very entertained by the character and and by his performance jeff i have i want to ask you a question as part of this for a performance piece too um you and I figure out weird, strange, abstract ways to kind of communicate things to mm-hmm. audiences. Absolutely. And um, with with his performance in there too, the the moment when he comes to life, when he becomes self aware, uh, and it's kind of like this black screen, and then you start seeing the pixels come through. What did you feel at that stage of the movie? Um, did you feel that they did that correctly? Was there something different oh, that you yeah. had done? And, um, you know, kind of riffing off what Josh was saying, you know, you don't need to see him to, to know, like, you know, having seen Blacklist, like, I know his stances. You know, he has these very specific ways of holding himself. But, like, even in that black moment, it's like that whole rebirth kind of thing, or well, not born again, really, because he hasn't really been, he's been kind of in that. I guess in the mind gem, but like, I don't know. I love that, that, that whole, everything's dark, but then you start to see these little sparks. It reminds me of the halo four trailer where you don't know what the heck's going on, but there's like all these little synapses firing. It reminded me of like the brain turning on or like having this, you know, it's a big metaphor. And, you know, you hear Jarvis in the background time trying to usher him into like a, a sane kind of mindset. And he's like, can, if you give me a moment, we'll power you down and then we'll just reboot the system. But he just keeps pushing and he's like getting all this information so fast. I thought it was, it was very well done. Um, and I also, I will say the mocap, you know, I, I thought that was awesome too. Cause it mirrored Spader's performances in like the blacklist. I thought it was freaking awesome. Um, little head turns and little like mouth moving quirks like that that kind of stuff you could see in the actual ultron robot and what i like too is that ultron's uh, character development literally from from the, the sense of a design perspective was not mm-hmm. like a transformer which right. is a fear that i had that we would have transformer like uh ultron walking around and i'm like please i don't want to see optimus prime i want to see ultron <laughs> Optimus is awesome. uh, Yeah, but I don't want to see (laughs) that. That's not the world for him. Uh, So I was very happy to see the way that they designed him. I I thought it was was spot on. Does does anyone else have 
Anything they want to add about the, that, that not, character? Not that only the design, but the character of Ultron. Um, and I, t- Brian, you got to tell me if you feel this way. I, I don't, I haven't read a ton of Avengers. Certainly, I don't know a ton about Ultron. Um, but what I've seen from this movie makes me feel like I know a lot about the history. And I thought that they they packed a lot of content into a short amount of time. You feel that way? Oh, absolutely. But it, it, where it failed in certain movies like, I don't know, Spider-Man 3 and X-Men 3, um, they did it really, really well. They packed a lot of stuff, not just in Ultron's backstory is huge to begin with um, and, and his quote unquote motivations for doing what he's doing. But all the other extra characters and the story development and the groundwork that they laid for the next coming movies uh, is so it was so heavy. But they did it so well that you are like it's never distracting it's never too much it's never like well i don't understand this i don't understand that you know exactly what's going on with that character and uh with you know where they're going in the future and and especially when they're introducing new characters like i loved how they handled quicksilver and scarlet witch yeah who were avengers uh, on and off and um you know they initially started off as villains in the comic book too and and i love that their motivation they're not bad guys. They're just trying to do the right thing for their country. And even Cap says, oh, yeah, like no one's ever been experimented on to, you know, help their country. That's that's weird. Like in that kind of tongue in cheek moment where they're like, what's wrong with these people? Cap's like, I completely understand where they're. I thought the most beautiful moment happened when they're they're standing there and they're explaining the fact that they've been under the bed in their home for two days staring at the word Stark and and what that meant to them and and it, it it snapped me out of the world that I I was in in that movie and really made me go back to a global picture of how even we show ourselves in our country that you know this could be any you could put any name on that bullet and find that situation anywhere in the world and it really kind of put some humanity into this this universe and saying yes there's people flying around in metal suits yes there's a green monster yes there's a robot taking things over but people are in these situations where they 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 turn that people can be be changed and shaped by little things that you won't ever see you'll never encounter that within your life but it can come down the road later and have an effect on you personally you know i'm living in my house somewhere in a city and because you know tony stark's company supplied ammunition i just had a building that i've been working on for nine months to get destroyed by the hulk and iron man it reminds you you these these things prior to the past seven years tony stark was a warmonger yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds it you really exactly did. the kind of person he is. Those two characters I mean, reminded me that Tony Stark can be a bad guy, and if it depending on what side of the the film you're on. But I'll say this: I loved. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the 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 guy who is Quicksilver. He's in Kick-Ass. Um, oh, Kick-Ass yeah, actor, kick yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Thank you. He was phenomenal. I I loved him so much, um, and. So we've been talking about Flash on this podcast before, uh, and th- these are two different characters but rooted in some of the same things so people can kind of grasp onto them. How do you feel about Quicksilver um, in this world that, that we that we have? I like him better. I like him better in uh, I like him better in X-Men universe. I like him better as a mutant than as a so that as a science experiment. Oh, Enhanced people. Um, but uh, <laughs> thanks, Fox. Really appreciate it. Thank you for not letting us say the word mutant, you assholes. It was whatever, you know. Um, I, I I think that the character is good. Uh, I think that becoming righteous uh, makes makes them more favorable in the in the public eye. But 
for the most part, um, yeah, they did a lot of they did a lot of bad shit, man. I mean, leading up to the last scenes of the movie, so it's kind of hard for me to forgive. Um, you know, Scarlet Witch. Really? Yeah, kind of. You couldn't. Um, you couldn't. You couldn't forgive them, dude. I, I did. Listen, immediately. I hold grudges. This is what I do. Like I just. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just look. Just John Q. Public, okay? So I, I don't. you have done some bad stuff for ninety. You know, ninety minutes of a hundred and fifty minute movie. I'm not happy about it. I like I. Well, they were misled. You're. They didn't know what they were doing. You were. You were misled, sir. They. They had this <laughs> emotional trauma <laughs> of seeing an undetonated shell <laughs> sitting right in front of them after oh, their parents. I died. literally just set up their backstory <laughs> for you, leading up with sympathy, and then you just now. I don't give a shit. They done. But Old John played on that. They. He played them. I, empathy is not. It doesn't necessarily come easily for me. Um, does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. You stared at a shell for two days, and then. <laughs> and, you know, let's just downplay your parents this. fell through the floor. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, I just, oh, like, yeah, I'm no, not unfortunate I'm not for you. Out. Sucks to be you. It does. Stop it's, being in a foreign country. You uh, realize that you know you can take control of your own life and make your own decisions. And can I can no. I get opinions from sensible people who I actually have sympathy in hearts? <laughs> this is I. Thanks, Ultron. I, I appreciate your opinion here. Let's move on to the next person. Let's start with Tony Stark. Brian, go ahead and take it away. <laughs> yeah. Well, Josh, your opinion's wrong, so let's move on to someone who's right. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> no, you absolutely feel sympathetic for them. I mean, they got misled. They got told they got sold a batch of bad goods because they thought all they were doing was taking out the Avengers, and that was it. They had no idea what Ultron's bigger plan was in mind. They thought, hey, Ultron's got an axe to grind with Stark, so do we. Let's team up. And that's it. The moment she touches that that cover and finds out that it's not just the Avengers, he's going to wipe out the entire planet. She is horrified and like, mm-hmm. we can't be doing yeah. this anymore. And you see him clench his fist too, which is like a little nuancey kind of thing. But you're like, wait, now he knows that they're not with him anymore. So, right. and then after that, you know, he's not really on their so, side anymore. Here's a funny thing I had with Quicksilver, which is also, hey, hang on, Go ahead. which is also, if you did not feel sympathetic for them at that point, when I don't know. There's two major points in that movie for both of them where a Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch are pinned Such down great and Hawkeye gives his big speech, which was amazing, and says, if you you can stay here, I'll get your brother to come get you. But if you walk out that door, you're an Avenger. And she does. Takes her a little bit, but she does. And that's the moment you're supposed to flip that switch and be like, all right, they're cool. And let's not forget the ultimate sacrifice that Quicksilver makes yep. for the guy he's been bullying and beating up the entire movie to help save him and that kid. I mm-hmm. call that speech, by the way, with Jeremy Reiner, the Grumpy Cat speech, because he has the Grumpy <laughs> Cat so, face on look, the entire time. They, they, did, they did a better job um, with Hawkeye's development than they did, I think, with anyone yeah. else's. Um, and Hold on. Before, before we jump into Hawkeye, I do want to say one thing, and, and I don't know if you guys caught this at all. Uh, and if you did, I'm, it's pretty freaking obvious. The first line you hear Quicksilver say in that in that show, in that movie is, "What you, you didn't, didn't see, see that, that coming?" <laughs> and then and then when he does make the ultimate sacrifice and he he dies, the last thing you hear him say is, "What you didn't see that coming?" And what was so interesting was I did not see that coming. The entire time, and we're going to lead into this, the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, I'm learning so much about Hawkeye. It's a shame he's going to die. Yep. Thought for for sure they were going to kill him. like, we're going to kill Hawkeye. And then when he said- He's got a wife and kids and he's happy. Biggest red herring, too. As soon as you said, you didn't see that coming, like, I didn't see that coming. You are a, you bastard with your You know who you can't kill? 
Jeremy Renner. You know who you can? Yeah, that's what I you said. You know who you can? Aaron Taylor fucking Johnson. <laughs> you know why? And you should kill him so you can go make Kick-Ass 3. So let's talk about No, because he doesn't Hawkeye. matter. Is my right, no, no, I, I, no, no, I absolutely agree. He is not the character that is. He should have right. died under a bed when he was ten. He lived. Wow, this is all gravy wow. now. I am bringing He's the son of Magneto. I like, have, you can't yeah, they can't say him. that in these movies, though. I have to yeah, say this. True. I'm, I'm very ashamed that the words are coming out of my mouth right now. I'm actually agreeing with Josh last week. Right now, I'm agreeing with the Josh that we had last episode where uh, you need big names to, to pull in some people into to some theaters. And I, that's why I Boo. thought you cannot – wait, hold on. I was CJ. like, you cannot kill Jeremy Reiner in this movie. Like, this, he's, he's one of the reasons I came to see this movie. You can't kill no, him. No, you know, you know who you kill? Uh, you kill ew. the guy that goes out on the rock with Shatner and Spock. You don't kill. <laughs> you do, are you saying red? You're not. He's are you not just compared to a red shirt? Quicksilver is not a red shirt. You were a blue kill shirt that entire movie. random guy. You just, you don't kill Jeremy Renner. You can't do it. For the record, I don't so, think he's actually dead. So uh, I agree with that, too. I, I go with the Marvel Universe of the I don't care if your body is disintegrated. You can still come back. I, so, I think they will find a way to bring so him back. So let's talk about Hawkeye because this, again, God, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm repeating can, myself. Can I just point out one please, thing please, before we don't move yeah, on yeah, to yes, Hawkeye? Yes, yes, yes. We have yet to see the reality gem show up in any one of these movies, and I think when they bring that in, they're going to use it to bring Quicksilver back. What's a reality gem? It's one of the uh, five Infinity yeah. Stones. It's like a, so, it's so like far, the we know of stone? mind, soul... Hmm? It, it, it's it's not the sorcerer's stone. No, <laughs> that would be. Dr. Is Street. it the resurrection stone? <laughs> yeah. Is it one of the three deathly hallow? Yes, it is actually. It's 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 the, it's the uh, what was the stone? That, was it? Yeah, the, the resurrection the resurrection stone. The resurrection yeah, stone. The, is the resurrection stone. stone. Yeah. Yes. Hey, it's CJ. Harry just FYI, Harry Potter podcast coming up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Oh my God, J.K. Rowling is going to release a new box. It's going to be that guy. So, <laughs> so let's talk at Hawkeye. Twenty points to Gryffindor. So this uh. is <laughs> that's the name of the that's the name of the podcast. Fifty points to Gryffindor. <laughs> so okay. So here's here's another part that I had, and again, I'm I'm beating I'm repeating myself. This is a moment where again we are learning more about these characters than we did in all the other movies, and what a, what a reveal with Hawkeye. And just what a way to handle it. When I saw them pull up to that that barn house, I was like, oh, that's like his parents' house that he's inherited. It's His parents are dead or maybe they're there. And and that's it. And that's fine because he said he doesn't have a girlfriend. He said he doesn't have this. And he's, he's kind of had this like flirtatious relationship that we kind of saw in the first movies with Black Widow. So I was like, well, clearly he's alone. And I was floored seeing a family i was floored seeing a wife i did not see it coming i was I, I dropped some popcorn on the floor i was i was totally in shock did you guys see that coming yes no i didn't i kind of did i kind of did because like the whole time kind of means no <laughs> I, I don't know when, like when black widow's like do we really not know a whole lot about each other i'm like all right so they're gonna they're gonna do a little bit more backstory with i, I was assuming it would be hawkeye josh, how, did, josh how did you see that coming like no seriously, and I'm not like calling you out. I'm like, what did what gave that away for you? It's uh, it's the story of the armed forces special ops hero, man. You you go on mission. You're gone for X amount of time. You come home to your family. Of course, he has a family. Of course, he has a family. He's a regular guy. He's a great sniper. He's a sharpshooter. He's special ops, black ops, whatever he is. But you know, these dudes have a family. They have a home. They're they're they they need a reason to fight, and that's that's what separates. Humans and and enhanced people or or super brains or you know Batman with all his money is what ties 
the regular person to the world and what gives them a reason to fight. And that's why Hawkeye, um, in the movies at least, is such a great character, a pivotal character, because he is so unbelievably human and has all these reasons to fight, has a reason to go home, has a reason to live. Where, Which is also why I thought he had a reason to die. <laughs> well, right. and, and look, I get like the movie, the movie formula would be you would kill this right. dude, but yeah. you can't kill Jeremy Renner. Josh, I agree with you. Are you enjoying this I, moment? I'm enjoying being right for once and not, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Cherish and, the moment, Josh. And I like that this house, that this relationship that we found out about Hawkeye gave our characters a space to get human. It gave us a space to see more character development. Uh, and it really gave us the opportunity to say, take the masks, strip off the powers of these people and see them as people. And also, Nick Fury's here, motherfucker. Funniest for me, the funniest part of the whole movie was Stark being pissy, walking off and going, don't take from my pile. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I lost perfect. my shit. It was perfect. so good. <laughs> Honestly, that that actually not the the scene preceding that has got to be my favorite part of the movie because that conversation between Cap and, and Iron Man, Tony and Steve is very groundwork building for some. And please do me a favor, mm-hmm. adjust. And I love the fact that you caught yourself that you called them Tony and Steve at that moment because yeah. it really well because was. they are Tony and Steve. They're not in the right. suits. Well, well, but but that's the point of this Marvel universe and these characters. But Batman he is Iron Batman Man. no matter what. He, when we talk about Batman, he's Batman. He is Iron Man. You know, he no, is Iron Man. Stop. Go ahead, Josh. He's, he's Tony. In that moment, he is Tony. Yes. When they are chopping wood, he is Tony. Yes. And that scene is so pivotal. I don't think anybody really realizes it, at least the first time you watch it, is when... Oh, no, we all got that. <laughs> like, it's a well, civil like, war. Well, hey, this is it's why a post I did this. within the this civil is war why universe. Aren't we doing this so that we can end the fight? And Cap is the one who goes, probably the best line of the freaking movie, every time somebody tries to stop a war before they start, yep. things go bad. Yep, absolutely. And then another great scene is when he just rips the log in half with his bare hands. <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> it's so good. Um, Christian, so and- we were watching that, and Christian goes... Why wasn't he just doing that the whole time? <laughs> it's so he wanted true. to make Tony feel better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't take from my pile. It reminded me of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. takes the axe and like, chops down the whole tree in one swing. I was like, why? how come he's not going through the stump he's chopping on? Like, I know he has to pull a punch. If the writers of Avengers heard you say that, they'd probably be like, oh, we just got compared to Abraham Lincoln Van (laughs) (laughs) Josh, we just like, I'm going to find that kid. I'm going to kill him. Oh my gosh, if he finds you, please let me know. I must meet him. Um, Over your rotting corpse, because he just killed you, but I will meet him. He ripped you down. down You'll follow my, it'll be like Mr. Burns dying on the clock dial. Go that way. That's where he left. Um, so, okay, so I, I think we all agree on this, and there were a lot of posts, and, and there were a lot of, so I kind of see Civil War as building a house, and they they laid some foundations uh, during some of the previous movies, but this was the one where they now start putting the frame up, and they start putting some things together, and they, they are going, look at this, this moment, remember this moment, it will come back, and, you know, as I'm watching this movie, and I'm seeing things just like, what Brian said, the, the chopping the wood scene, um, the, the scene when they actually confront Tony about creating AI and, and what's going on and seeing them literally shoot at each other, literally fire shots. 
at each other over this over these moments over these decisions you kind of see oh shit like i can kind of see what the civil war movie is going to be like but i i want to talk a little bit just uh, just if we can just a, a smidge about some of the things that are missing from the civil war story that we're seeing so far what are we missing and the first thing that we're missing uh is some cast of characters does any, what what are your thoughts on getting some people like i don't know let's say spider-man who's so integral to the civil well, war storyline how are we getting him into this universe at this time how does how can we get him in like do you He's, feel this is going to be forced you don't need to get him in this is the next significant you do it's the next significant movie you this is you need him he, in the story. But he's going to be in the next movie. So, but right, he's he's going to be. Here's the thing, though. He needs to be just as integral in the, this, this movie as he was in the comic book storyline. Yeah. Because yeah. when, Completely especially agree. in the comic book storyline, when you think people who are really secretive about their identity and worried about hurting people who are close to them, it's Spider Man. Spider Man's always the poster boy for keeping your identity a secret so that you can protect the the ones you love. Right. And right now, the cast of characters that we have, everybody knows each other's identity. Everybody knows Steve Rogers is Cap. Everyone knows Iron Man is Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who Hawkeye is and who Black Widow is. There's no secrets as far as their identities between them, maybe about their, their motives, but not... And the big thing about Civil War is that they need to register their identities with S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and pretty much become agents of the government. Um, so Spider-Man in the comic book is hugely pivotal to that. Because he's the guy that Tony is actually able to convince, hey, this is a great idea. And you know what? You're going to reveal your identity in front of everybody to kind of set an example. Um, So I know they're going to introduce Spidey in it. I don't know in what capacity. Um, And I know a lot of characters that they've already alluded to, Black Panther um, and and Spidey and Doctor Strange are, are going to make appearances in this movie. Because uh, it's, it's not just going to be a beatdown fest between Cap and Iron Man. They're going to have sides. Um, I, I'm just interested to see how they handle it going forward. So the thing that I, I had read was that um, Sony came to Marvel and Marvel came to Sony. They sat down at the table and uh, an offer was struck into the sums of this. Um, Marvel Studios will help produce the next Sp- Spider-Man movies because Sony was – after those emails that were leaked, they're shitting the bed with the Spider-Man franchise. And they said, listen, we're going to help you. We're going to put some input into this. They pretty much said, hey, you know all your plans? Forget them. And they said this, if you disrupt our release schedule, if you mess up the plan that we have going into Civil War, because you all see it's clearly mapped out, A, not only do you lose the rights to Spider-Man, you lose the rights, you're, you're gone, they're back to us. Number two, you will owe us in the sum of, and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this number out of my memory, a billion Dollars. It's not that much. I I think I Tony I think it's I up. think it's like two billion. CJ, is it two? Okay, it's, two billion. It's, it's a lot lower, but it is a substantial amount of money to to it's people. Way like way too much fucking money. Well, it's, it's a too substantial much money amount of money to anybody. Uh, yeah, right. True. Uh, but well, if you think about it, without without doing it correctly, that could be that could cost Marvel huge huge box office numbers for other movies. I mean, people they obviously have still a very see specific plan. So, yeah. do you think that this is going to be? Do you think so? Hey, do you think Sony's going to live up to this? Do you think that they they can deliver after everything that's going on yeah. with Sony right now? Yeah, absolutely. Because they're they're already like okay, and, and they're recasting Spider Man. They're recasting everything. They don't need to be like, oh, we need to secure Andrew Garfield or anything. We're just going to get somebody new that's going to show up in Cap Three, and then the working title of the next Spider Man movie is the Spectacular Spider Man, and that's not out for another two years. I thought the year other two? one too was a uh, Spider Man: The Next Avenger. 
I've heard I, that was I've heard that too. I've heard that, and I've heard Spectacular Spider-Man. There's a couple working titles in the in the rumor. Right, mill. but Spider-Man doesn't go like doesn't go willingly. Sort of sort of gets recruited and likes the tech and just decides to play around with it. So he's in and out. But that's how it starts, he, but that's not how it stays. No, no, no. He, I know he that. becomes very much into it. Yeah, but, I mean, here's what we have. We have Ant-Man in the summer, which, uh, okay, it'll be good. I'm excited Whatever. for it. Oh, that's going to be good. Ant-Man. It's going to be entertaining yeah, at the very Paul least. Paul Rudd is funny, so great. Um, but the next <laughs> big Marvel movie is the, the kickoff of the summer movies next year, May 6, 2016, Captain America Civil War. So the thing that gives me hope, is the amount of story arc they were um, uh, able to cram into what two hours and seventeen minutes, something like that? Two hours and yeah, um, it was a like long that. movie, but I loved. I it, loved it how was, it didn't but feel they that did way. a really without disrespecting source material too that they're basing. Stuff they did. On. It's not they exactly did a great reaction. job cramming all the story in, so I feel fine about what they're going to do with Civil War and the Captain America movies have both been handled incredibly well. Uh, I, I like where the story's going, so it's, I think it'll fit just fine. Plus, as much as it's going to be a cat movie, they have to, like Brian said, Doctor Strange comes out later that year, so they have to introduce Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. So let's let's jump into that real quick because uh, we're, we're we're getting on an hour, and I still want to talk a little bit, but uh, you know we have other things to do. Um, what's next down the pipeline? What, what's coming, Brian? You had the you had a link that you had sent us to to kind of explain this. Can you give us a, a scope of the Marvel universe that's coming to us soon? Coming to a theater? Uh, I, I can. Um, so after this year, you have Ant Man uh, for the rest of this year, and then you're pretty much waiting until, like Josh said, May 6, twenty sixteen. You'll have Captain America Civil War, and you'll have later that year, more around the Christmas season, Doctor Strange, who is not really in the summer movies, but, I mean, November's actually still a pretty big month for for movies. Then, going into 2017, you're going to have Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is probably going to lay more groundwork in for Thanos and the Infinity Gems and everything. Um, Somewhere in between that, in 2017, you're going to have a new Spider-Man movie, whether that's going to be the Spectacular Spider-Man or Spider-Man the New Avenger, I'm not sure yet. Um, and then that November of 2017, you're going to have Thor Ragnarok, which was also teased at in this movie, by the way. But we, we don't have to talk about that necessarily. Um, and then from there, 2018 will be Avengers Infinity War. So they've got about four or five movies to, to build up the rest of the Infinity Stones and build up the, the threat of Thanos. By 2018, you're going to have Avengers Infinity War Part 1. Uh, Black Panther will be out in 2018, along with Captain Marvel, who I can only assume is going to spin out of Avengers Infinity War, and then you're going to have it wrap up in 2019 with Avengers Infinity War Part 2. So, it's a, there's a lot down the pipeline. They have this huge, huge story that they're setting up right now um, that should be interesting to see how it all pays off. Can I, can we also just point out real quick uh, that they, yeah, they destroyed an entire city, but unlike Superman, they saved every single person in that city. (laughs) It's very true. There was injuries. There was, you know, some maiming, but everybody lived. Everybody lives. <laughs> yes. Everybody Nick Fury lives. flies in. <laughs> and you know what? That is that is a good distinction to make because, at, you know, at the end of the day, I was thinking about that. I was watching Transformers the other day on, like, HBO or something, and I was like, there's a lot of people dying. Like, I see people dying in this movie. And I didn't think about that when I'm watching Marvel. And I'm like, yeah, shit's happening, but, like, I don't think that, you know, like, Tony scans that building and he says, yep, nobody there, go take down Hulk. Um, you know, the, the human casualty part was, was pretty low, but 
Um, I don't think the world is looking upon the Avengers with, hey, thanks for helping us. You know, it's one of those, um, hey, listen, like, thanks for not killing anybody. Like, greatly appreciated. Thank you. But the uh, the Stark Relief Fund better be pretty freaking awesome because you kind of leveled our city. Uh, and well, they did I mention think, that. They mentioned the Stark. They literally did say, you know, have we yeah. sent somebody there to go help them? Have we sent relief? I, I think once it becomes public knowledge, because I think it will, that Ultron was a uh, direct uh, consequence of Tony Stark tinkering around, people are going to be be out for blood. And I think you're right, Josh. You said this earlier in the in the show, actually, that there's going to be ants. People are going to have to start answering for the destruction that just occurred. And I think that's a huge part that will lead into the, uh, you know, uh, identification process of, of superheroes, uh, you know, that, that'll lead into the civil war. It, it's, it's they're going to bring them back in front of Congress again. And instead of saying, Hey, the last time you were here, we said that, you know, no one was near your suit. Uh, we obviously can see that we're not worried about your suit anymore. We're worried about aliens. We're worried about the level events. Right? Yeah. We're worried about, about the stuff you. that you all are causing. Because That's the thing. We're worried about you, yeah. Tony Stark. So last time you were in front of us, you could say, hey, I just privatized world peace. I'm doing a good job here. You can't say that anymore. Which is yeah. just the, another the vessel, of crap. just another vehicle for Hydra to sort of impose their own agenda. And, so, and for Civil War, did, really. Did, mm-hmm. uh, do we still have enough Hydra around to make a an impact? Yeah, it wasn't I just it, it wasn't just Gary Shandling, brother. You know what I mean? I mean <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I thought that they had saying that they over this time have been hunting most of Hydra and found well, lop most off of them. one heads, two will rise. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, I, they've been lopping. So at some point, you pull out. If Medusa's they lopped head off three hundred heads, six hundred will you, rise. It's just simple math. You pull out Medusa's head at some point and turn the Hydra into stone and say, "I fucking killed the Hydra." That's how Greek mythology works. Yeah, Hydra, Hydra never seems to go away, dude. I mean, you still have... They're always this underlying thing. Right. So um, it's like the tea party. Is that what this is? It'll just... <laughs> it'll never end. It'll always... Wow. You went, you went <laughs> full... You went too much? Wow. You went full... You went, <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. It was nice being on you this show. You went full on CNN <laughs> on us right there. Uh, <laughs> I went too political. You're MSNBC. Oh, shit. Show. I just went to that kind of nerd, the political show. I'm sorry. I, I filled that with Jon Stewart <laughs> You can afterwards. have that podcast. You're, you're good with that. <laughs> okay, so... Let's get some. Let's get some final impressions. Let's wrap this up a little bit. Um, are we happy with the state that we see Marvel in as a whole? Do you think we're going to start seeing more of these crossovers? Do you think Daredevil and some of the other projects that are going to come through are going to fit into this universe that we're creating? Are we going to get the Defenders in this at all? Do you think we're going to see some of these people in the movies or no? That's a one-off. I my my. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, I, I think you'll you'll get. Bits and pieces, nods to it. I don't think there'll be a full storyline for some time. I think it's pretty well mapped out. But my my final impression is the Marvel's doing a just a fantastic job. Stan Lee was fantastic. Oh God, uh, that was <laughs> so good. Just the cameos are just getting better and better and better. So um, I'm going to post a, a video in the show notes. There's actually this thing called the Stan Lee School of Cameo. That's uh, <laughs> uh happens to be like a, a an Audi plug or something like that. It's a car uh, like commercial in there too. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. It's great because some of these big name actors are making cameos in it because he is the king of cameos. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, yeah, from from it a great. from a a father's perspective. Uh, I really like that even though it's PG-13, I can take uh, my young son to the movie without fear that it's going to either be too scary, too graphic, or too over-sexualized. I mean, there's there's hints of it, but certainly no more than you get on, you know, TV. 
Um, right. So mm-hmm. that was really cool to be able to experience this with with my kid, um, in in a way that he could shed some light because it ties in pretty well with the rest of the universe. I thought with what he's watching on uh, the cartoons and and what he's reading in in the comic books. So it's yeah, I thought it was really good and and uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Brian, your your final thoughts on Avengers: Age of Ultron in less than an hour and ten minutes, please. <laughs> Um, see it and then see it again and then I will probably be seeing it a third time honestly if we're talking about like the the meshing of you know the, their recent success with Daredevil and everything god I, I really hope so I really hope so because honestly here, here's and here's a really cool thing there's a, a really great scene with Daredevil in Civil War that they need to put in there and anybody who's read the story will know exactly what scene I'm talking about so I'm not going to go into it but yeah I, I thought it, it greatly exceeded every expectation I had and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where, where we're moving from here. And, and I left the movie saying this. I know these characters more than I thought I did. Now. I, I now know more about them previously. So I have to thank the writers for making sure that we have some good backstory and that we have these people. And I can start seeing them as people. And I can start seeing them as, as living things instead of just a cape and cowl. Uh, I can really kind of kind of get into their heads and their personality. I'll say this: at the end of the movie, um, I actually felt really sorry for uh, Steve. You know, Steve Rogers. I felt has he doesn't have a life. He's got nowhere to go. Every, yeah, everyone goes off into their own place, and he's he back stays in at Shield, new Shield, new Avengers facility, and he's just there with the new recruits. I'm like, this guy, he's still so misplaced within this world. I felt I felt pity for him. Um, I left that movie also with a different view on Tony Stark than when I walked in um, and my wife really kind of made me feel that way that I see Tony Stark more as a bad guy now I, I, I'm not on his side which is weird because when I read Civil War the the, 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 the books I'm on, Iron, I, I'm on Tony's side for most of the time um, so I was actually very perplexed by that, but it felt it felt good for me for some reason. So uh, great movie. I agree, Brian. I'm actually going to see it again uh, just at some point because it was so good. And I know I'm, I'm missing something. I'm so excited for what they're doing. This is the benchmark. I said it last yep. week. This is the benchmark that every summer movie is and, going to be. And like I against. said, too, I walked into that movie saying, wow, Daredevil's the best thing Marvel's ever done. And then left that movie going, well, Daredevil's now the second best thing that Marvel's <laughs> yeah, ever I'm, done. Yeah, I'm going to uh, wait. I'm going to wait another week and then go see it on like a Wednesday at, at 3 o'clock. In the afternoon. During the day with three other people. Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> While you're texting. Go to movie tavern and then have a beer too. <laughs> and you know what, Josh? Not a single person was texting or talking during my movie. Thank God because I would have yeah, thrown, not, not thrown heavy objects at them. I stayed on my Jeff, phone the whole you, time. I hate you. <laughs> Jeff, you since you're, 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 you're uh, our guest for, for this show, I want to sure. give the final word to, to you for this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here you have like the Avengers Age of Ultron as not only a movie that lived up to the hype and lived up to the anticipation. And, you know, Marvel consistently knocks that out of the park. But you have a movie that did that. While you're in the movie, you're finding, just like you guys were saying, you're finding new things out about these characters you already think you know and love, but, you know, going towards this major event of Civil War, you're finding out, wait, do we really know these people? Or do we know their motivations as well as we thought we did? But, you know, as you're, as you're learning and watching and all that other stuff, it's just new, new, new facts and new perspectives that you can gain just by sitting there. But, yeah, definitely a movie you want to go back and see again and pick out those little, little tiny things. And I think that's it, it was an excellent work of writing and cinematography. So thank you, Jeff, for, for joining us for this show. I, I, I did love your input so much. Thank you for, for joining Absolutely. us. So yeah. I'll, I'll say this to our, <laughs> to our listeners. 
Um, we appreciate you for, for hanging around for this and things got really heated with this vision conversation. So like I said, I still want to hear everyone's thought and input on that character as well as this. There's so much going on in this movie. I know we didn't hit it all and, and we'll be frank with each other. We also want to value your time and we're, we're coming on a pretty long show for us. Uh, so we want to still kind of keep it there. Uh, we're going to have a, a couple different renditions on our website, that kind of nerd.com about this movie and some of our thoughts and feelings and reactions for it. So keep, uh, keep tuned to that. Um, we didn't get a chance to do any comments this uh, this week because we did want to make sure we just got to talk about Avengers the entire time. So uh, we do have some messages and stuff we're going to go over next week. Uh, one from actually a friend of Brian who decided to, to come in and put some comments on, on the site. So, uh, Corey, we will get to your things if you're anticipating it. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll have another email from Laura, Josh's wife, <laughs> about a correction or problem that he had this week. But I want to give you the number. Again, I want you to put this in your phone as that kind of nerd or T-K-O-N. Uh, that number is 484 373 Four one one nine. We've had a couple people call in. We really want to thank you for doing that. You can also uh, follow us at Twitter at that kind of nerd. Uh, use hashtag TKON podcast when you talk about this show. Uh, we just want to see if we can get some people going that way. Uh, emails can also be done at podcast at that kind of nerd.com. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Please read some of Jeff's articles on our website, that kind of nerd. He has some fantastic insights to gaming. Uh, and just that that culture around there because he is our gaming nerd. So please uh, read some of Jeff's uh, articles. They're utterly fantastic. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time, and thanks for listening to our show. Thank you for listening to the That Kind of Nerd podcast. We want to thank everyone for their support, and it means so much to us that you listen to our show. But we still need some help. So on our website, thatkindofnerd.com, we have a link to a GoFundMe campaign that will help us buy more equipment and necessary software to make the podcast. Whether you donate $100 or $1, we appreciate everything that you do, and we'll give you a shout-out on the website and at the beginning of the podcast. So go to thatkindofnerd.com, look for our link for our GoFundMe, and help the show keep going. Three people in the movie theater. One of them is texting. The other one is screaming at the movie screen. Josh Burns at the movies. Josh, your opinion's wrong, so let's move on to someone who's right.